Welcome to the Leadership Roundtable, a podcast with Dr. Conway Edwards, where we frequently get together with leaders, pastors from around the country to talk leadership because we believe uh, when a leader gets better, that everything gets better. And we're thrilled today to have Dr. Eric Mason from Epiphany Fellowship with us from Philadelphia. So, uh, Pastor Mason, thank you so much for wonderful, being with us wonderful, today. Wonderful, 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 wonderful. Welcome to Texas. Glad to be Welcome here. back to Texas. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Texas. This was winter. definitely home for a while. Yeah. Yeah, for a season of our life. So. Man, we're extremely grateful. And well, I'm glad to be here. Just to have the conversation with you today. Yeah. Really just wanted to throw that out there to you about what it looks like. Um, if you could just share a little bit about your church and then even what it looks like, how you're reaching the community that you're mm -hmm. in. Yeah, so um, we are um, we're a church in the urban core of mm -hmm. Philadelphia. So people always ask, "Are you in Philly?" I'm like, "Then I just say Philadelphia." <laughs> we don't we don't we don't do Philly prop. I mean Philly region. You you either in Philly or you're not. Uh -huh. So um, uh, so yeah, we're in Philly. We're like two blocks from Temple University. So a lot of um, transient diversity, but really it's more long term urban poor to stay in the community. South of us is middle upper class professionals and so it's kind of like a cultural economic um gumbo although they're each each sector of it as it relates to economics and relationships is just extremely segregated mm -hmm. so um so when you look at the community we're in we see that it's easy to come in a community like that and just minister to the college students and the transient professionals or the people the upperly mobile which we minister to all of those people groups. But one of the ones we keep an eye on for our church is we keep an eye on those who are long-term residents, who are working-class folks, who are going to be in the community, and who are impacted by everything that happens in that community. Mm -hmm. You know, the college student has four years, or, you know, if they grad student two, PhD four. Um, the the professionals, because we have transient professionals, in our community. And what I mean by transient professionals, most people, because Philadelphia is such a hub, I mean, you got UPenn, Drexel, LaSalle, St. Joe's, Temple, you have you have Villanova, you have, you know, across the river, you got Rutgers. So you have a lot of major colleges. So you're going to attract a lot of people for education. So what they'll do is sometimes they'll stay in the city on their first job, get experience, and then really nothing beyond that's keeping them mm -hmm. in Philly. So um, if Texas calls or Atlanta calls or New York or Chicago, they're gone. So that that those groups would be transient. So we've had to do mission in that community. So our church is made up of those different people groups, but majority African-Americans. Mm -hmm. At this time, our, our church used to be extremely multi-ethnic until we started talking about race issues. Then everything uh -oh. changed. And so our church is millennials and Gen Z, very artsy, professional, entrepreneurial, uh, passionate, about everything, whatever they're passionate about, they're passionate about. And um, some of the, uh, for me, I love it ministering to them and um, because it's the hardest people group to reach. We're in a city where it's 95% unchurched. So we're not somewhere, this is nowhere near the Bible Belt. It used to be the Bible Belt of the country. Philadelphia is where most major denominations started and split. So it's, it, it has a history, mm -hmm. but the, the history is dead now. And so- now we're ministering in a post, fully post-Christian, post-post-Christian society. One of the largest religions in the city is Orthodox Sunni Salafi Islam. So when you look at those type of stats, everything else is growing except for the church. Most churches, even the mega ones, are plateauing. It's only, and we don't even have that many mega mm -hmm. churches in Philly. Average church size in Philly is 25 to 50 people. So 
you know, if wow. you, you know, so that type of environment and doing ministry in is a, is a monster of an environment to be in, but we're excited about it because we believe the gospel's mighty. Right. And, um, and so we've seen God just break through and do so many things in our ministry. So we, we are the two side of coin as a church of discipleship and mission, same mm-hmm. coin, just two different sides right. of it. And, um, cause they're related and connected. And so when you talk about discipleship, um, we believe everything disciples. You got to you, you have to understand everything pastors, disciples, and shepherds mm-hmm. people. People are always getting information. Sunday morning disciples, um, uh, you know, uh, small groups disciple. Right. Men's, all of those different things disciple. Those are discipleship mechanisms. So you got 30,000 foot discipleship. You got ground infantry discipleship. So we try to create ways for both yeah. and make sure that those ends of that. So we got everything from pulpit uh, to, 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 uh, to homes and DNA groups and all those different things that create synergenic ways for people to, for Christ to be formed in them. Uh, and so when you come to um, our mission, we do local, national, international missions. So we've done, we've started, we started and adopted 44 churches. So wow. um, we have churches from South Central LA to Malawi, Africa, built, uh, built some stuff in Africa, support leaders, indigenous leaders in Africa to do what God has called them to do without a Western culture getting in the way of them. We train them and let them translate and contextualize. And so we, um, but we planted churches in Baltimore, uh, or come alongside of them, Baltimore, Brooklyn, uh, Delaware, Gloucester City, New Jersey, Camden, LA, a lot of churches. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of churches. We got a church we adopted in Florida mm-hmm. as well, Hollywood, Florida, outside of Miami. So we have a lot of, we've got a church in the Bronx. And so, um, God has been really, really gracious. Our network is made up of Koreans, whites, and African Americans. Mm-hmm. So and Latinos. So that's that's what I, the Enoch, Enoch. Shout out to Enoch. All of our churches, and you got Africans, Latinos, um, uh, Koreans, uh, African Americans, and Africans. Because we got a, one guy. He's he's Congolese. Mm-hmm. You know, I got to do his video today. I got to remind that for his fifth year anniversary. So that's kind of the makeup of what we do. So now we're on the community development side of our church where we've done church planning, even though we're going to do it not as aggressively as we've done in the past. We've been very aggressive mm-hmm. with residencies and church planning because um, we don't have that Dallas bread. You know, we have to uh, <laughs> we have to do everything on a budget until God, and we trust in God to provide and all of that. And so we, we have to move towards aggressive community development. And so that's where we are now. Gotcha. Yeah. Let me ask you, you said your church is reaching millennials. Yeah. Um, and the younger generation. Mm-hmm. I just this week um, was looking at the latest Barna study showed that 50% of millennials believe it is not okay to share their faith or to tell people about church, that that's just not okay anymore. Yeah, 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 yeah. And how, how do you go about reaching a generation that thinks it's not okay to get the word out about Jesus? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you, how do you attack that? I think um, one of the important things I – I personally think is, um, I don't care what I like. I don't care what they say. Like <laughs> I don't, <laughs> you know. I, that's how I roll. So I don't. I don't really like all of that. Well, you gotta kind of. I don't care what they don't. They, you're not gonna tell me nothing crazy like that. Like, mm-hmm. and so I love you, but they like me because they call me Pop. So right. or Uncle Pastor E. So I, I'm like, look, I'm, you know, we're gonna engage. I'm gonna show them in the scriptures. And we're gonna talk through the dynamics, I understand what they're dealing with mm-hmm. because of the nature of, of Constantinian Christianity. Um, it's been very aggressive. Mm-hmm. 
and uh very in in it come sharing the gospel for them isn't people don't receive it as transformation of the soul they hear something totally different okay. in their context when i mean when i first got to philly and i started sharing the gospel with this dude and i was sitting in uh temple's bookstore and we were just chopping it up in the scriptures and so he ended up he was looking at me really really weird and i was like what do you hear me saying when I talk about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Mm -hmm. You being a sinner need transformation like all of us do. He said, I hear you calling me to be prejudiced, um, mm -hmm. judgmental, hateful of people, and self-righteous. I was like, I didn't say that. He said, no, you didn't say that. But that's the perception of Christianity. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that's a caricature of they want to do, like millennials and Gen Z do everything they can to fit into their culture, even though everything everything's about being unique now, mm -hmm. but even unique is not unique, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so, um, <laughs> you know, to have the only, I got the only, it's only made 20, 20 of these in the world and I got it, like that's not unique anymore. Cause everybody, yeah, cause everybody mm -hmm. wants something unique. So, so it's a, it's a, it, it, there's a, there's a undying desire to fit in. There's an undying desire for acceptance. And not that it hasn't been in the past, but um, because culture is so fluid and connected in ways through media, through social media and everything, people are way more, um, I would say sh people are more shallowly connected now than they've ever been. Mm -hmm. And so because everything has a shallow connection, you can create yourself. So if I get a microphone and, a, and, a, and I pull out my iPhone and, or oh, I don't even need a microphone, I just get my iPhone and start recording right. with my laptop, whatever and start a YouTube channel, he's a thought leader. And it's like, on what? <laughs> you know, you, right. you, you're only 20. You don't know nothing, right? So, and not that people don't, I don't want to be, you know, uh, obnoxious, like someone 20 doesn't have anything absolutely to say. Right. But I think there's no humility. Like the word goat is used now. Greatest of all time is just thrown around. In other words, every hyperbole is the, me is the mechanism for inspiration, but it also takes away sort of the, the 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 earning of stripes for someone to have actual uh under you know it, it, you know it's like a boat you know on the boat the boat god god was like you know this boat is this the, the, the storm is rocking this boat and this guy's like you see how tall this boat goes up right there but it's twice as deep under and so that's how we stay good in the storm mm -hmm. and so i think in this generation People think because they see the boat on top of the water, they think that I don't have to build the bottom of the boat because I just want you to make, I just want to make you take a picture to make you think we're going out deep in water when we're really right by the dock. And so that's this culture, right. perception creation. And so one of the things that I'm fighting with millennials all the time with is like, like even the conversation I was having with you about who I was texting before, I'm not going to talk about it, but it's like perception is reality. So if I can create a perception of what something is, that's what my reality is. Mm -hmm. The gospel calls us to something deeper. The, the cross, and this is how I minister to millennials. I love what you want to be. I, I amen your desire to be that particular thing. Um, but the gospel gets to tell us where we are so that we can get to where we need to be. The cross Get, get you to says come as you are but don't stay the same mm -hmm. and so god will even call a gideon a mighty man of valor a shechayo while he's hiding wheat 
in the wine press. So it's not that God doesn't call you what you're not. It's just that God doesn't act like you already know how to do it mm-hmm. at that particular point in time. But he calls you beyond where you are to inspire you to. And so I think that I'm trying to help millennials like, amen to your dreams. Amen to your, amb- but don't, but ambition and dreams have become such an idol. I mean, right. to, and so, and so I'm trying to say, man, have dreams, but I'm asking you also to be mature, be mature, be a real Christian. Um, be, be, uh, 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 and so back to your question and dealing with the whole idea of them not sharing their faith, 50% of Varner's study, I would love to see what type of statistical design it was contextually right. because you have another sector of millennials, particularly <clears throat> Gen Z, I don't have my chart up, but Gen Z, Generation Z, they actually, um, their one of their values is a search for truth, okay. which is very interesting. Which is the uh, which the millennials is more pluralistic, like the hip hop generation or the um, or Gen X. So they they have a little bit more of a um, what I would call pluralism. You know, <clears throat> all truth is truth. Um, right. Everything is you know relative. Whereas the Gen Z are now saying, you know, I want to search for which truth, what's specific. And so that's why you have, even particularly in the African-American community, different ideologies growing. And so dogma is returning. So now <clears throat> with the millennials, mm-hmm. you had all lead at, nah, let's all be in a room together. Let's accept one another. Gen Z, this is a very blanket statement. And then no one's, none of these groups are monolithic. <clears throat> but there's also this sense of who am I? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Carl Ellis talks about the three th- questions people ask. What's my uh, what's my uh, dignity, significance, and identity? What are those three things? You know, dignity. What's my value? Significance. What I'm here for. Identity. Who am I? So when you <clears throat> th- th- those are like they're asking those questions in ways that the boomers and busters gave up on. Wow. Because the boomers and busters like, listen, it's hard. Nothing's going to change. So you gotta f- you gotta get it whatever you can and live life out. Post them, you know, the millennial, they said, I'm not going to do, take over my father's business. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm going to do what I wanted. I'm I'm willing to shake up the family. In other words, individualism became a part of it. All that individualism wasn't bad. So I think that that's a major thing that um, impacts how we perceive gospel sharing in that generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hope that made sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just seems like the pendulum swung the, back the other direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how do you even then, how are you trying to minister and reach, what does it look like for those different groups, for millennials or Gen Z? If Gen Z is totally going back to dogma, truth, how? what's the different strategy you work to try to do that? All three of the generations, my generation, which is the original hip-hop generation, but then some call us, since you're – you and I are different ethnicities, but the same spiritual ethnicity. They will call us Gen X, mm-hmm. right? We were Gen X, pretty much. And then after us was the millennial generation, Gen Z. So, um, you know, one of the things that's of key mechanism is authenticity. Mm-hmm. Like, um, my folks in on the block, right, this regular dudes, if I had a light show behind me while I was preaching, they would they would like <laughs> they would be like, "What is this?" You know, right. this is like they those are guys that want to hear '90s hip hop, like mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying. They want to hear spit, and that's Philly stuff. 
Then you got my other kids, my suburban ones or my middle upper class ones. They like all of the extra creativity. Mm-hmm. So in balancing that authenticity, if they know that this is the way you win everybody, if they know that's you, it comes off easy and you can engage all of them, they accept you. Mm-hmm. The craziest thing on the planet. And so I'm kind of a weird dude because I'm almost 50 years old, but you know, I, I don't necessarily, um, I, you know, I have the, I, I have a vernacular. I, I hope, you know, I have a vernacular that can swing both ways. I can swing right. the older generation or younger generation. And so I think one of the things that I've learned how to do in engaging this generation is knowing who their pastors are. Now, the question is, who are their pastors? Who's pastoring your people? Mm-hmm. Who's pastoring the people you want to reach? Everybody has a pastor. Mm-hmm. I don't care who they are. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're their pastor. Mm-hmm. Talk more about that. <laughs> Talk more. About Everybody that. has a pastor. Right. Like I don't care who you are. Um, Even people in your church might have another pastor. Absolutely. I don't know if I can say that, you but can say yes. That. But yes, everybody has a pastor. So a lot of people's pastor. My church is the Breakfast Club. Mm-hmm. You understand? So uh-huh. so they listen to Charlemagne the God. You know, mm-hmm. they're listening to Angela Yee. You know, they're listening to Ti. Not as some music. But it's ideology. Right. They 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 they're pastored by not Jay Z's music, but his journey from Marcy Projects to Tribeca. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? So you gotta in exegeting the text, you gotta also exegete your people. Mm-hmm. And so, and may, maybe the in and I, I got a lot of people. They're their own pastor. Mm-hmm. So don't tell me anything. I know my, I follow my heart. That's self pastoring. Right. And so you guess what you have to do? You have to speak the gospel to their pastoral place. And so that means that um, I talk about the Bible, talks about the heart is deceitful and wicked, who can know it? That's right. Uh, but it, but the gospel also renews your heart. And so you don't ever want to say God knows my heart because he does. And you're assuming something's a bunch of good stuff's in it. Right. He, you know, and so, but he can put good stuff in it through sanctification. So that, then that's like, dang, man, I just helped them face the idol. Now they're looking, I said, look at the darkness that's in your heart. That's not, a part of balancing you like that light and dark side in Star Wars. No, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, this is what, blah, 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 blah. you know, I got people that, that they're, they're, they, uh, are, that I have people that left our church that got into ancestor worship, you know? And so they're burning sage and running around the room and, you know, um, and so pastoring all of those different things is, and I'm still learning what to even say to that, but, Yes, but but, (laughs) right. But but the issue is pastoring people and people knowing everybody in context has to. This this is what we did to learn what was pastoring people on in beginning that we do this every year multiple times. What are the top three influences? I mean, what are the top three needs in your context? We asking people that, not leaders, actual people. What are three greatest influences? What are the three greatest needs? And what do you believe the churches in this city and community are doing to put a dent in those needs? Mm-hmm. Because I'm always asking myself, are we ministering to the love language of our community mm-hmm. in order to develop common ground to share the gospel? Mm-hmm. Right. And just to be a good neighbor. Right. You know, and so <laughs> how about that? You know, and so yeah. all of those different things kind of shape how we do what we do. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh so could you give us some examples, maybe recent examples for you mm-hmm. of some needs and then how you, because I see this dichotomy, yeah. who's your pastor? Yeah. It just kind of hit me with that. And yeah. I even think of churches now 
there could be somebody sitting in a church and they're listening. God bless you on a podcast or another pastor. Yeah. And that's my influence. Right? Yeah. 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 I yeah. Here yeah. Or myself. And then read the, read what they expect, what they get from that pastor or the perception of what that church is doing onto you mm-hmm. here in the church. It's just kind of like, we're not even in the same context. Right. We, that's not even the questions our people mm-hmm. are asking. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. how do you then begin to um how do you then begin to pastor this next generation? Or or even show them what that means. Well, I'm gonna answer you a question too, for what are we doing? I'll answer that, but then I'm, how do you begin to pastor this generation? So one of the things you have to do is you have to do self-awareness of them and self-awareness of the mission field they're in. Many times people live on an online mission field, okay. meaning they're thinking about what's hot in culture. Just because it's hot out there doesn't mean it's hot what God called you to do ministry. My goal is to get people in our church to being missionaries, Mm -hmm. to see themselves as a part of their identity as a Christian, as a missionary. Um, An under-worshipper is missionary, if not two sides of the same coin. And so for them to really, like, we go on prayer walks. So and, and and what we call action walks. So we'll go in the neighborhood, pray for people, and actually get our people talking to actual people in the community, particular people that catch a train or drive instead of the people that walk. Mm-hmm. And they begin to people go out there and begin to say, "I never knew this was here. I never knew that this need was here. Molestation issues, or I didn't know this was a food desert. Mm-hmm. Like I'm looking around, all I see is bodegas. I don't see any grocery stores, right. and the only grocery store is that one." But in this one zip code, there's 60,000 people. Mm. So how do you have one grocery store wow. that services 60,000? That's impossible. Mm-hmm. So they have to get their food from elsewhere. Either they're going out of their community, but most of the people don't leave their community ever. And so they're going to the corner store. They're getting salty food. They're getting old produce, yeah. Yeah. all of those different things. So, you know, they're getting sugary cereals. You know, so all of those different things play or they're, they're limited. And so for us, we're saying as a church, and that's what they're, that's what millennials and Gen Z's are deeply attracted to, um, gospel activism. Boy, you meet a need in the community, it makes them cry their eyes out. So um, we're working on a project where we're working on a school, grocery store, beauty supply um, place, um, technology uh, 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 institute, and uh, business shared space. And so... That has like skyrocketed their passion. They're investing in it financially. Mm-hmm. They're investing in it saying because they like what's crazy though in millennial and Gen Z, it's a lot of experts in their generation. This is the most educated generation mm-hmm. in history, and so they've been well educated. And so we need to mobilize them by giving them a vision that they can plug their gifts into. Gotcha. Now for I don't want you to miss that. Got to give them a vision that they can plug their gifts into. That is so not get important. them on board with our vision. Absolutely, find theirs. Yes, get them plugged in. Yes, and not just into the church, but into the culture of the city. Right, plugging, pushing them towards plugging their gifts into the church and talents, and into the culture that they're in. Very important. Uh, how how do how does the younger gen how does that generation? Um, you talked about the different socio and economic differences how does that generation handle those different demographics those different divisions are they more open we mean social economic mm-hmm. um that's a hard question i don't i don't i, I think that they you know I, I think that this generation is very creative mm-hmm. and so with its creativity it's the old stuff we used to do in the hood you know you didn't have a lot of money so you didn't have a lot of money 
you're creative with what you had. Mm-hmm. You, you, if you got one pair of sneakers, you cleaned them, made them look like they were, you know, you now like now they'll go to the thrift store. We would have never done that when I was growing up. Thrifts going to being seen like near a thrift store was that that's a year worth of jokes in school to just kill your entire existence for a year. Uh-huh. Now it's like cool to pick up vintage stuff. Like the hipsters in all cultures, it's kind of like cool to wear vintage things because sometimes the, based on what they're wearing, you can't even tell if it's old or new. And so I think that they've learned how to work in Max, particularly where we are, because you got to, the cost of living is, you know, above us, like New York, you got DC below us, is way more. So you have, you have, you have way more economic um, height yet, you know, and so I think that a lot of millennials and Gen Zs have done a great job at learning how to exist in those creative spaces. And they'll take a picture to make you think they're in paradise. And they'll look at, that's why they spend their time on their phone, Uh because they're not spending time in like, this would be a 3,000 square, this would be a $3,000 in New York. Like this room. Like you broke this up. This is the bathroom. You know the bed come out right there. This is, this the, is the kitchen. This is the apartment. And some of them are smaller than this, like a like a quarter less. They'd be like two twenty five hundred, three thousand in the right place. So you know what I'm saying. So they'll take a picture by the window. You think they're in like this grand place. You look around. You're like, yo, man, this is like, I, I got a I got a church planter. Well, he's not. I, it's not. I got a church. He's a church planter friend. He planted a church in downtown Brooklyn. His apartment is 600 square feet, $2,200 a month. Gosh. Two kids. That's white. a house in Texas. So you understand what I'm saying? Wow. Yeah, so you understand what I'm saying? So, so when, we talk about, when we talk about the ability, like they'll run to New York. They'll run to Atlanta with no economic plan. It's just, and, uh, but, but I think we can, but what, what's, what's the, what do we learn from that? That means we got we gotta we gotta train them how to go into culture as missionaries. Not everybody coming to the church and work for the church, um, but man, man, if you will, that's missionary type stuff. Mm-hmm. One of the things we have to be able to see, like God saw in people in the scriptures, is He saw the raw material of who they were and how He could shape them for redemptive purposes. Mm-hmm. You know, the boldness of Peter to just talk, just run his mouth. He's like, you put your foot in the mouth, your mouth a lot, but if if I disciple you, you'll use your mouth rightly. And guess what? He led 10,000 people on the day of Pentecost to Jesus. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, Paul is willing to ride horseback from city to city to persecute Christians. But guess what he did? He, he The guy that would go around all different types of places to persecute Christians, the same guy that goes around everywhere planting churches. Right. So that's the beauty mm-hmm. of the gospel. The gospel takes doesn't get rid of all of who you are. It redeems who you are and uses it to the glory of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Now, I want to ask you a question. This is going to be opening something that we probably don't have near the time for. Mm-hmm. What does this, what does the millennial Gen Gen Z, how, how does this generation react when you talk about the realness of race in church? I mean, so our church was probably a third white. Uh-huh for years until five years ago five years ago i broke my silence because mm-hmm. for for a while i was just like i don't feel like i know what this is going to do mm-hmm. i don't feel like talking about race but when trayvon martin died eric uh uh, uh eric um, not nah, mike um died uh like different ones uh sandra bland died i was like i gotta 
I'm crazy if I mean, this is like unbiblical. Mm-hmm. All this going on in the culture. I, I mean, and I was always on my little Christian wokeifications. You know what I'm saying? I had mm-hmm. some of that. It would spill out in different things because it would spill out in how I did apologetics. But then this was an all-out war on white supremacy to me that, that was so apparent in our culture that that Christians didn't. Re- I didn't. I didn't I, Christians didn't realize how married we we have been to Western culture. Mm-hmm. And because of that, it's blinded us to where we don't know the difference between Christianity. That's why so many, I got so much people that. It's funny. So I did a conference not too far from here last year or year before, brought my entire staff. Mm-hmm. It was the worst experience I've ever had preaching to like three or 4,000 people. Wow. I mean, because... The the company, the black people were happy. The whites were hot, and I was like, I didn't. This is like light. What I'm saying, mm-hmm. and um, they the company that brought me in to preach. They the organization they got all of this. Like I never got that much email, and and I got so much hate mail. What was crazy is none of them had a Bible verse in them, and they're explaining. They just said he's so hateful. I was right. like. So why do I say that? The millennials, when, 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 when we lost all those people at our church, like a third, it quadrupled with millennials that were hungry for the church to talk about this issue. And, and so, wow. so now it's like, and then they see we're not just prophetically speaking against power. We're also doing something about it contextually. Mm-hmm. So, that that right there is very important. So <clears throat> I think in this culture, any pastor that's not dealing with the race issue, I, I, I don't think they're worth their weight in pastoring. As a pastor, you need to talk about everything that concerns the heart of God that needs to challenge people and call them the truth. Mm-hmm. If you're not doing that, you just don't pastor. Mm-hmm. That, uh, like in, and, um, and it's just because this one, people can say you're causing division. I say, where if you don't deal with it, you're not dealing with the division that already exists. Right. And I've heard people say, if 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 you're not saying anything about it, then you're saying something about it. One guy one guy gave me hectifications, right, after that message. Mm-hmm. He was here. Mm-hmm. He was here. Came up to me. Wow. And said, I, I looked at I said, this guy looks familiar. He had tears in his eyes. Really? He said, Pastor Mason, I was wrong. Wow. All of us were. We just didn't want to hear it. He said, I hope I can get through this. He starts choking up. He said, I've been praying for you ever since. Wow. And like right after, right before, either before or after I spoke. Mm-hmm. And he was the one that was giving me a, the business afterwards. Like 30 minutes, people were videoing. It was crazy. And so to hear the Lord turn that, I'm willing to take an L if it helps change the trajectory of all of us because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Right. So what family doesn't love one another enough to have intervention meetings? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you got a family member that's addicted to drugs, messed up, you got to do an intervention yeah. if you love them. And I think preaching and teaching is one of the ways we do intervention in the in the in the life of the church to call brothers and sisters to say look 
let's begin to deal with some household issues. Mm. We're looking crazy in these streets. Mm. Like Christianity is looking crazy yeah. in these streets. Like speaking against, like not speaking, it's looking crazy. I can tell you because I, I talk to unbelievers all the time. So I hear them, like they're, I've, I've had unbelievers appalled at the way Christians responded to me challenging the race issue. They said, I can't, why are you even a Christian? Like this doesn't even make sense to me. And I said, well, Christianity isn't them. And I said, I'm still responsible for them and I'm responsible to you. So, wow. yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Man, well, thank you for hanging out with us today. Yeah. We're yeah. grateful to have you, Pastor E. I want to encourage everybody to go check out Epiphany Fellowship online. Go check out yeah. Pastor E on Instagram and follow him. We want to thank you for joining in on our podcast today. Go check out our webpage, visit1cc.com slash leadership roundtable. We'll have some show notes and some links to where you can find Pastor Eric Mason. Again, if this has been helpful, um, as we've talked about reaching our community, reaching the next generation, Mm -hmm. um, if this has been helpful to you, then go out and share it so that you can help someone else as well. Leave us a comment or rate us. Um, and again, thank you for joining us. We're grateful that you took the time to listen in with us today. We look forward to seeing you again next month. God bless. Mm -hmm.